you, Jesus. I remember. Aren't you glad that he remembers? Well, we want to invite you after service today. We have a reception for all the veterans in Abba Java. Uh, there's cookies and cakes. And if you get a chance to get it, well, I better not tell you now. You'll be trying to slip out and see it. But uh, they've got cookies out there that they've pieced together in the shape of a flag. So I'm sure somebody's taking a picture of it. So we got a picture, so we'll be able to show it to you next week. All right? In honor of Veterans Day, I want to preach a message called Equipped for the Battle. Would you say that with me? Equipped for the Battle. One of the things about America has been that they have tried to equip the soldier for what he has to have for the battle. Although I'm sure that there are times when you all wish you'd had some things that you didn't have. I was reading a history called Citizen Soldier, and it was telling about the escapades in World War II. And oftentimes the command was so far away from where the battle was going on, and they just had to improvise. And historians have said it was the ingenuity of the farm boy that won World War II. That uh, Go on and give them a hand that when they didn't have the right equipment, they made the equipment they needed. They took, I was reading one place where they had to take, they were trying to get over a hill that had been built in and their tanks couldn't get over it and the enemy was shooting at them and had them pinned down and they finally, some of those young boys said, man, let's weld a ramrod on the top of this tank and we'll just run it into that bank and then blow the bank up. And that's exactly what they did. They welded a piece of steel on the front of that tank pounded it into the ground until, or into the side of the earth until they got it deep enough and they put explosives in it and blew the whole thing up and then the battle turned. How many of you know that to be able to win the battle, doesn't matter how much of a heart of a warrior you have, to be able to win the battle, you've got to be equipped with the right, with the right weapons to be able to win the battle. And so I want you to go with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Would you turn there? Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to start with verse 10. This is, I'm reading from the New Living Translation up through verse 15. It says, it starts out and it says, a final word. Say that with me, would you? A final word. And I thought about that, and I thought, he's taking a break here. So what was he saying before? Because he's talking about a final word now. And when you search the book of Ephesians, you find out that he, he talks about the struggle that we have with our flesh, with the world, and with Satan. There's a three-front battle going on, and at every front, we struggle. How many of you find out that you're still in a battle every day? Paul makes a statement, he said, I die daily, so there's a battle that's going on on a daily basis, and he said a final word, and then in chapter 5, the lower, and, and he starts talking about relationships and how we ought to interact with each other. How many of you have ever had some battles in your relationships? 
wave your hand if you've had battles in your relationships. And it's odd because he talks about husbands and wives. and We've never had that, right? I mean, we've got an agreement between us. Whatever she says goes. <laughs> no, it, it goes in one ear and out the other sometimes. Isn't that how that works sometimes? So there's, there's that constant back and forth, and, and, and God understands that for us to be effective, we have to have effective relationships. How many of you are going to listen to advice? Who was it that wrote a book? Was it Dr. Zeus? That wrote, oh, no, he wrote Cat in the Hat. Somebody wrote a book on child rearing. Oh, thank you. I knew it was some foreigner. I mean, I, mean, I knew it was from, you know, Spock. Well, think about it. It'll come to you. So he writes about child rearing, and he's never raised a child. And I thought to myself, don't tell me how to bring up kids if you never had any. Because until you wind up, until you wake up, when I was laying in the middle of the floor in a dead sleep, and it was a very peaceful sleep. And all of a sudden, I was awakened ever so gently by a plop of lotion dropping on my head. <laughs> my little girl had gotten the Jergens lotion out. I guess it was Jergens or something. And all of a sudden, she just turned that dude up, man, right on, squeezed that bottle right on my head. Plop! Daddy wakes up. And, oh, Daddy loves little baby. relationships. Everybody say, I need some help up in here. <laughs> so he talks about relationships with husbands and wives. He talks about relationships with fathers and sons, with parents. He talks about relationships that we have with one another. And then he says a final word. And the final word that he gives us is you need to be equipped because battles are coming. So let's read what he talks about. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Everybody say every piece. He said, then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Say this with me. Don't take a knife to a gunfight. Say it again. Don't take a knife to a gunfight. What are we battling? Where's that battle at? Paul spells it out for us. He's saying we're not fighting each other, even though sometimes that's what it diminishes to, isn't it? But we don't recognize that there's something that's pushing that. There's something that's trying to move that. We fight against a worldly culture, a culture that tries to rob you of any faith you have in God. 
We battle against our own flesh, our fleshly desires, the lusts of our flesh. We, we battle against that, and then we battle against the devil. Everybody say Satan. Here's what you've got to understand. This battle is coming at us from a lot of different fronts. But the devil cannot, the devil is not, how can I tell you, how can I say this to you? The devil is not able to read your mind. Do you understand that? He's not, he's not omniscient. He, he can't be everywhere at the same place. And you say, well, how come it looks like he's everywhere at the same place? It's because he has a horde of angels, fallen angels, that are helping him out. Everybody say demons. Spirits. How many of you have ever had a, I mean, a evil thought come into your head? Anybody? Those of you that are not raising your hand, I'd like to speak with you after service because I want to find out what you do that makes evil thoughts flee from your head. Because I'm telling you, every once in a while, I, I, there's, a, there's a, a wrestling match going on in my mind, and I have to remember in who I've trusted and whom I've believed. And so there's this battle that's going on. Man, it's fierce. Everybody say fierce. How, think about this. Think about the suicide rate in this country. Do you understand when that happens, it wasn't a physical fight that took their life. It was a battle in their mind that did it. And so how do you deal with these things? And Paul gives us a list to help us deal with the battle. So I want my soldier to come out. I hope you're there. Attention. So there's some, if you would stand on this first step, sir. Thank you. So here's, here's what Paul does. Paul is using an illustration. He is using something that is very, very familiar to the people that he's speaking to, especially to Paul. Paul himself had been chained to a Roman soldier. It makes me wonder if it's during this time that he gets this analogy. That he's looking at this guy that he's chained to and he realizes there's battle raging. And, but the battle isn't between him and this soldier. It's in a realm that you can't see. But it's more real than the one you can see. And so he begins to talk, and he says, have your loins girt about with truth. Everybody say truth. truth. You have to understand that that belt attached, everything else was attached to this belt. The, the sword's attached to the belt. The breastplate's attached to the belt. It, everybody say it this way. Truth, truth. holds everything together. Everything. Truth holds everything together. Because if you deny the truth, if you won't accept the truth, there's no help. 
The Bible said that they would believe a lie and be damned. It didn't say that they would believe the truth and that happened to them. As a matter of fact, when Jesus spoke concerning truth, he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will what? The truth will make you free. Everybody say, truth frees me. He said, stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Everybody say, body armor. The breastplate of righteousness. But this didn't just cover his chest, this covered his back. Hear that? That's not him. That's what he's got on. You say, well, what's the point? Do you understand that God doesn't just have your front? He's got your back. <laughs> he's got your back. When you, when you walk in the truth of his word and you put on the breastplate of righteousness, he's got your back. He says, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. If you learn how to walk in his word, you'll be prepared. We put on, what, what's the scripture say? He said, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then he goes on to list the rest of this equipment, and this is what he says. Above all, everybody say the most important thing. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let me take a moment with some of these pieces. Everybody say, shield of faith. Now, it says, above all, take the shield of faith. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without, that's what the scripture says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So when you take the shield of faith, you're taking something that is a, the word faith there, this is what the translation is in Greek. It's a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. Let me say it one more time. It is a moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. Everybody say, it's my conviction. I believe God. Your moral compass has a true north to it. It's not altered by culture, and it's not altered by what's trending on Twitter. It has a true north to it, and that true north is God's truthfulness. Everybody say, I can take it to the bank. I can stand on it. Let every man be a liar, but the word of God is going to be true. So when you 
When your faith embraces the fact that you believe the truthfulness of God, that what he said to you in the word you're standing on, it doesn't matter what you feel. You're standing on what he said. There have been a lot of times that I've taken an act of faith when I, I, I felt horrible. But the scripture said that I am the healed of the Lord. And so I would, I, I would take a step up and I said, God, I'm not denying my feelings, but I'm saying that my feelings do not counteract uh, your truthfulness. Uh, you said uh, that by your stripes I'm healed and I'm hanging on to it. That's why Job makes a statement and says, though he slay me, uh, yet will I trust him. What's he saying? Devil, give it your best shot. Uh, I'm not letting go of God. Uh, I'm going to hang Hang on, I'm going to keep believing, I'm going to keep the faith, I refuse to let go. The shield of faith. Contrary to popular belief, there is a good and evil. There is a right and wrong, and it's not based on our opinions, it's based on the word of God. We're so afraid today of being politically correct uh, that we become morally bankrupt. Uh, when you'd rather come out of the closet than clean the closet, uh, you've got a problem going on. Uh, so just hear what I'm saying. You can't legislate sin. Uh, you do it, uh, you, you live with it, and it'll take you out of the presence of God. Do you understand that he loves you? He cares about you? And somebody says, oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It's amazing to me that we, want, we don't want to change our lifestyle. I'm not just talking about same-sex marriage. I'm talking about guys that want to hop around from bed to bed. I'm talking about, you know, getting on the Internet and putting up all kinds of ungodly sites. And if you think that won't influence or destroy you, you're wrong. It's been scientifically proven that it creates craters in your brain. So unless you want a moonwalk going on in your head, shut it off. Everybody say, get rid of the crater. What we attempt to do is rather than change our life, we want to try and change God. But the scripture says that he's God and he doesn't change. He said, I'm God, I change not. So why not say, God, since you don't change, are you up to changing me? Are, are you up to changing me? How many of you know that his answer is yes? Shout it out. Come on, shout it out again. How many of you mothers believe that your children could clean their rooms? Oh, well, that's, that's all we are. We're God's children, and God's saying, if you let me, I'll help you clean your room. <laughs> your temple, we're the temple of God. God wants to live in there. Get the junk out. <laughs> my mama used to just close my door. She nearly went into cardiac arrest when Debbie came to visit the first time. The first thing I did is walk her back to show her my room. <laughs> She said, after she left, she said, what in the world is wrong with you, boy? Why did you take that girl back there? I was hoping she'd get inspired and clean it up. <laughs> we always want somebody else to clean up our mess. 
I'll tell you what, and when somebody else cleans up our mess, don't it make you feel good? I was, I, was, I was in the refrigerator, opening the refrigerator up, and I can't remember what it was that fell out all over the floor. It was, man, it was something. It was, yeah, I like chili. I think that's right. I think it was a bowl of chili. And just, <laughs> yeah, a big bowl. I mean, when she makes chili, she makes an army pot full. I think she's been in the army. I mean, she, she it just, <laughs> and I looked at it, and I went, And she said, I'll clean it up. And I went, ah! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was, I was ecstatic. I was thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. What's your problem, preacher? Because that's exactly what God did for me. I had a mess going on, and he said, I'll clean it up for you. Don't you understand? That's why I'm excited. That's why I shout. That's why I'm happy, because he cleaned up my mess. I guess none of you ever had no mess. But when he cleans up your mess, you're glad of it. Everybody say, he's able to do that. The shield, it says, is able to quench, which means to extinguish. Everybody say extinguish. Extinguish what? The fiery darts. In warfare, they used to light arrows often, and they would shoot those, and they were fiery darts being propelled. Now, I want you to hear this because the definition for dart is missile in Greek. And the definition for fiery in Greek, hear it, is inflamed with anger, grief, and lust. So this is what Paul is telling you. When you take the shield of faith, it's able to extinguish a missile inflamed with anger, grief, and lust. When all of a sudden some I better not say that. When, when all of a sudden, is anybody in here named Roxy? Okay, I, I gave a, a warning, so nobody claimed it. So if some foxy Roxy comes walking by, and she's saying, hey, big boy. <laughs> I don't blame you if she talks that deep. I'd throw that thing up too. <laughs> what I'm saying is that that's why Paul said take the whole armor because the devil always looks for the weak spot. And so if he finds a spot that's not covered, what good does a shield do you if you're, if you're hanging it down at your side? What good does it do unless you're using it for what it was instructed to do? I don't care if you've got a submachine gun at your house. If you don't know how to operate it, you're still going to be a victim because you haven't learned how to use the weapons of warfare. And so you have to use it. And he said this is able to extinguish every missile of anger. Have you ever had somebody mad at you? you ever, now check this out. Do you ever have somebody mad at you for telling them about God? Don't you tell me. I don't want to hear it. 
Well, I listened to a lot of stuff from you I didn't want to hear. <laughs> I used to work at a plant. When I worked at that plant, those guys would come in and talk about how drunk they got and how, you know, and all this stuff. And I, I made up my mind. I was griping about it one day. And man, the Lord spoke to me and said, why don't you tell them about your weekend? So I went back the next morning, or I went back that Monday morning. Before they could get a word out of their mouth, I walked up to them. I said, man, you guys should have been at church Sunday night. We had people laid out all over the floor. That got their attention. What? Man, the power of God was moving. It got to when summer came, they'd say, y'all better get ready for some overtime. It's revival season. <laughs> they knew that I was taking off to go preach a revival. Why? Because if it's in you, you got to share it. How many of you share what's in you? <laughs> when, when, you're, when you got a lot of bitterness in you, you share it. <laughs> When you got anger in you, you share it. And if you got Jesus in you, you're going to share it. Everybody say share it. All right, Paul, I'm almost done. Not really. Faith works like a shield to knock down every high thing that exalts, exalts itself against God. Some people simply refuse to believe God. And because they don't want to change the way they live in their carnal minds, they just try and change him. But listen to what Proverbs 30 and 5 says. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Everybody say it with me. He's a shield. The helmet of salvation. The word helmet means an encampment or an encirclement. It's, it's surrounded. Everybody say, it's surrounded. You see, I can do this all day long to him if I was a... If, if, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me borrow someone. Come here a minute, Caitlin. Come here. Run up here. <laughs> I want you to stand back here, and I want you to go like this. <laughs> I can tell you she can do that all day long, and he ain't feeling nothing. It's not getting him excited. It's not turning him on. It's not, do you understand? Because he's got a helmet. As a matter of fact, I could get back here, and he doesn't know whose hands are whose. When you get the helmet of salvation on you, you are protected. Everybody say protected. Thank you. Give her a hand. You're protected. It is a defense. Everybody say a defense. A defense from what? Look at Romans 12 and 2. He says, as a matter of fact, well, the King James Version says it this way, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove that which is acceptable and pleasing to God. But look at it in the NLT. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Can I tell you that his thoughts towards you are for good and not for evil? That his thoughts towards you want to lift you, want to build you, want to promote you. And that's why he's saying, keep this on. Because if you keep my, my if you keep salvation, if you keep that defense on your head, that's why Paul said, think on whatsoever things are pure and holy and just. What's he saying? Don't let 
birds can fly over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. So you may have bats trying to get in your belfry, but as long as you got a helmet covering it, you don't have to worry. God is able to keep you. Everybody say that helmet keeps my thoughts. The scripture says the sword of the spirit. Bring it out. That's some kind of sword. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When Jesus battled Satan in the wilderness, he didn't call for meteor to come out of space and smash him to nothing, even though he could have. What did he do? He didn't even stand up to him and say, do you know who you're messing with? He waited. The devil always waits till you're at your weakest point. So he waited for the 40 days Jesus had fasted, and then he attacked. And he said, hey, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Do you know that the devil knew he could do it? It wasn't a question on whether or not he believed he was the son of God. He knew he was the son of God. The question was, could he get him to violate the rules of warfare? Everybody say the Geneva rules. These were before there were any Geneva rules of warfare. But if he could get him to violate the rules of warfare, he could call foul. So he tries to get him to act on his divine nature, to act as God. If you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Watch Jesus say. It is written. He goes after the sword. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So then the devil comes to him and he says, hey. He takes him up to this high place and said, cast yourself off here because it is written that he'll give his angels charge concerning you to bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, it is also written Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Have you ever had somebody try and twist Scripture on you? I've heard people make the statement, well, you can make Scripture mean anything you want to. Well, if you want to take it out of context. That's just like I can, you know, I I can say, well, you know, you're supposed to let the dead bury their dead, so we're not going to have any more cemeteries. That's completely out of the context that it was in. We can say, we we can use scriptures, and, and that's exactly what the devil was doing. He was trying to twist, manipulate, and confuse. But God is not the author of confusion. And so he cites scripture again. And finally, he just looks at him and he lays all of his cards on the table. He shows him all the kingdoms of the earth. And he said, I'll give you all these. And they were his to give because the scripture said that he was the prince of this world. He said, I'll give you all these kingdoms, all the kingdoms of the earth, if you'll just bow down and worship me. 
And he looked at him and he said, you get behind me, Satan, or get hence, Satan. He said, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Three times the devil attacks him. Three times he said, it's written. And at the end of it, the Bible said, the devil went away. If you want the devil to take a hike, stand on the word of God. If you want to win your battle, stand on the word of God. It doesn't do you any good to get up and start declaring this and declaring that and I'm blessed of God and I'm this and I'm that. Stand on God's word and hold on to that word. And it doesn't, and you say, but pastor, I did that, but I felt this way and I felt that way. Do you understand? It doesn't matter how you feel. At the end of the day, the worst thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to die. The best thing's going to happen is if I stood on his word, I'm being raised up in a new body. I'm being raised up brand new. The devil can't kill the believer. You're going to expedite my reward. Everybody say that sword of the spirit. Now look at Hebrews 4 and 12. It says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Say that with me, quick and powerful. The word quick there means living. That's what the Greek definition for quick is, living. I want you to remember that. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. So what I'm trying to get you to see is it's not that you're picking this up and it's your hand doing it. It's a living sword. Can I borrow it a second? I don't know what just got into that thing. It's alive. It's, oh, I'm sorry. No. Do you understand? You may be holding it, but you're not the one that's empowering it. It's a living sword. And so that's why David knows that it's so important that he says on two occasions in Psalms 119, listen to what David says about it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David wasn't afraid to face Goliath because he knew God had equipped him for the battle. I'm wrapping up here. I want you to get this. Jesus in Gethsemane would have preferred to avoid the battle. Oh, come on, pastor. That's what he said. He said, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. He would have preferred to avoid the battle. We don't go looking for war as a nation. We want to live in peace. Jesus would have preferred to avoid the battle. But he was determined to win the war. So he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Sometimes we're begging God to keep us out of the Daniels, or to keep us out of the lion's den, instead of trusting him to see us through it. Let me say it one more time. We're begging God to keep us out of the lion's den, instead of trusting him to see us through it. 
But do you understand that Daniel going through it has helped millions upon millions of people when they've read his story? God turned his test into his testimony, and he's doing the same thing for you. He's changing your test into your testimony. Now, was he equipped for the battle? Was Jesus equipped for the battle? I mean, look, he's surrounded by a bunch of soldiers, right? I mean, he's, he's only got 12 guys with him, and he's surrounded by all these soldiers. And what, I mean, what choice does he have? You know, they're going to, they're gonna, I mean, you know, I mean, he couldn't do anything. No, it's not. <laughs> listen, to what he, well, listen to what happens. Watch what happens. A band of soldiers come after him in Gethsemane. A band consisted of somewhere between 400 and 1,000 men. And those band of soldiers come after him with blood in their eyes, and he didn't run the other way. He stepped up to meet them. Remember, he's just got done praying. I'd rather not go through this battle, but I ain't running from it. I'd rather not have to go through this But if this is your will, then here I am. And that was his answer. Who who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And when he said that, he laid 400 soldiers flat on their back, uh, scramping it around, trying to figure out what had just happened to them. Uh, And the word that laid them on the ground could have put them under the ground. Uh, But for his willingness uh, to give himself so you and I can be free. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Uh, That's the true veteran, uh, the man that lays down his life for his. Think about this. The scripture said, greater love had no man. Jesus said this, greater love had no man than this, than he that laid down his life for his, for his friend. It didn't say that they counted him as a friend. It just said that he counted them as a friend. So when he's hanging on Calvary's cross and they've spit on him, and they've cursed him, and they've mocked him, and they've belittled him, and they yelled, crucify him. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I'm telling you, there's something so powerful about the love of God Because when we have done all we can to shove him out of our lives, he just keeps showing up at our door as a friend. Everybody say, that's the kind of friend I need. God has equipped us for the battle. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Team, come on up. God has equipped us for the battle through Christ Jesus. I want you to notice something here. Look look at your Bible. Paul's writing. He said, one final word. It's almost like he's saying, guys, I really want you to get this, what I'm getting ready to say. This is one one final word. I'm going to close with this. 
one final word. And then he goes in to this description of what we've come to call the armor of God. And I looked at that and I thought about that and it dawned on me. He's painting a picture of Christ. <laughs> Scripture said that when we take him on how? In baptism. That we're buried with him and we come up in newness of life and he's following this example. The armor of God is a type or symbol of Christ. Loins girt with truth. In 1 John, it says that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There he is as the belt of truth. It said grace and truth. What's the scripture tell us about grace? It says by grace are you saved. Everybody say it with me. It's the gift of God. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Loins girt with truth. Saved by grace, a helmet of salvation. Through faith, a shield of faith. The scripture tells us that every man has been dealt the measure of faith. And I started looking at it and it all started coming together. He, truth, grace, faith. Helmet of salvation, faith, breastplate of what? Breastplate of righteousness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's why he's got my front and my back. He took on my sin so I could take on his righteousness. Finally, that sword of the spirit, which is what? which is the Word of God. The Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is living. Everybody say it with me, living. First John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Paul is seeing a soldier, and what he's seeing is Christ by his side.
for I don't fight my own battle. That's why David could face Goliath. He said, the battle is not mine. It belongs to God. When you put him on, he's equipped you from your head down to your feet. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And who would know more about peace than the prince of it? Come on and put your hands together for God today. You have not been sent into a gunfight with a knife. My friend, God has well equipped you. Say, well, I'm not sure about how to use this sword. When you use a sword in a natural battle, it dulls the sword. But when you use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it sharpens the sword every time you use it. The more you get into the Word, the sharper your sword becomes. The more you use the Word, the longer it gets. The better equipped you are because it's a living Word. Would you stand with me today? You know, how many of you have ever been in a fight before? Anybody ever been in a fight before? Somebody said, man, that guy can take a punch. Well, come up here. <laughs> Say, where are you getting at? Because anybody can throw a, you know, I mean, I mean, taking a punch isn't really, if all you're going to do in a fight is take a punch, sooner or later, you're going to lose the fight. Oh, sorry. Sooner or later, I thought that was steel. <laughs> sooner or later, you're going to lose the fight. If all you're doing is always on the receiving end of it. I got in a few scrapes as a kid. Every once in a while, I wanted to give a punch. I mean, how is it fair to just keep taking it and taking it and taking it? Do you know that the only piece of this armor that is used as an offense, as an offensive weapon, is a sword. It's where you get your punch in. The devil said, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Don't you know that doubled the devil over? And he looks at him, he said, well, if you're the Son of God, cast yourself off here because it is written. And he'll give his angels charge concerning you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus comes back. Pow! It's also written that you're not going to tempt the Lord God. Do you understand? You don't have to take it. Don't anybody get excited. Get Get the Word of God in you, and it'll come out of you. Come up here a minute, Deb. Hurry, quick, quick. Hurry, run, run. So, I, I know you don't, you, you don't realize this, but I'm telling you, I've got a heavyweight champion on my hands. Flex that muscle. Go on, Sean. Woo! I've, I've seen her go into a crowd of complete strangers before and give the old one-two. 
I, well, we stopped at a gas station and this lady was a truck driver and she looked like she could have changed the tire on that truck. It wasn't no little bitty frail woman, man. This lady was... Debbie walked into the bathroom. She's in there. How are you doing? She walked out, and I think if I remember this right, you said the Lord spoke to you to go back in there. She goes back in there, and that woman's looking at her, and all of a sudden, here she comes. She said, I got a scripture for you. When she got done with that lady, that woman was in tears, giving her heart to God. That's the kind of knockout I'm talking about. That's the kind of fight we're in. We're in a fight not to destroy the individual, but to destroy the work of the devil and rescue the individual out of his clutches. So are you ready? Thank you. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. Oh, can I do it just one time? Are you ready to rumble? Seriously, it's all you, if all you want to do is just come to church and sit on a pew, then I, I mean, that's okay and you're welcome here, but I didn't come here just to sit on a pew. I want to rumble. I want to get down and get with it and see the prodigals come home. How about you? If you're ready for that, I want you to take a step forward today. Take a good look at Paul and say, God, I want to be equipped like that. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come quickly, quickly. Thank you, Paul. You can give him a big hand. He's Come on in here. Everybody say it with me. I'm going to get me some of that. I'm going to get me some of that. <laughs> Do you ever see anybody in the buffet line that wasn't embarrassed to be there? You ever go to the Golden Corral? Man, they charge you down there. So what do we do? They ain't making no money off of me. I'll go down there and get me some more of that. I'm going to go down there. I've, I have watched. I, maybe this isn't a good analogy, but I'm already in there. But I have watched people go to buffets and fill their plates up. This is the God's truth. In Texas, there was a seed food buffet. It was all you can eat. This guy had been in there about three times, and the fourth time he came, they met him at the door, they gave him the price of the buffet, and said, you can't eat here anymore, you're costing us too much money. His appetite was bigger than their budget. Now, that, that's not, that's in a bad sense, okay? But the Bible said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they'll be feel, filled. So if you make up your mind, I want some of that. If you make up your mind that you're not there for the 
finger sandwiches and all the dainties and all the, what do they call those? The hors d'oeuvres, you know, and you want to get full of God so you can do some damage to the devil. When you love it for the devil to show up and say, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna release all your kids if you'll stop praying. I'd say, just go ahead and try and hold on to him because you've already lost him. And I'm gonna keep on praying. You're making him nervous when you quit operating in fear and start operating in faith. Yes, yes. And grab the shield and say, look, I've seen that attack before. We're not ignorant of the devil's devices. So here's where we're at. We're moving from God touch me to God help me touch somebody. Let me touch somebody. Are you ready for it? I want you, I, I want you, in just a second we're going to pray. I want you if you would just to stretch your hands. I don't know what your name is, but if it's okay, I, I want to pray for you today. There's been, I just see some fear trying to camp out over your door. I, I, I started, I, wasn't, I hadn't planned to pray for people, but when I looked at you, and I don't mean this in the wrong sense, but I just saw the word fear, and I felt like God told me to stop and tell her she doesn't need to be afraid that I'm going before her, that you're not in this thing alone that God is with you, he's on your side, and he's got you in his hands. Church, would you stretch your hand to me, with, to heaven with me right now, Father? Thank you, Lord. Come on, sing. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Touch your head and make a joyful I receive noise. it now. I receive it now. Come on, come on and love him in here. The weapons we use are not found in God. Worship is the way the battle is won. Are you ready? This is the way that we fight. Praise him for the victory. Raise your hands up right now. Say it with me. I'm going to get me some of that. Pour it out on me, God. going to sing this song as we go out, but I want you to raise your hands with me right now, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Kim, it's good to see you. It Doesn't it feel good to know that God's on your side? Should you just stretch your hand with me now? I want you, look, this is what I'm going to pray, so if you don't want this, don't pray this. I'm praying that God build a fire inside of you that gets so intense that you just don't know what to do with Hey, come here just a second. If you would just step up here. Stretch your hands to heaven. There's so many questions in your head. So, I mean, it's like sometimes you feel like your life's in a hundred different directions and you're saying, God, I just need this to come together. I need some direction. Here's the problem. You're looking in too many places. God's saying, I want you to get focused. 
because as you get focused on me, I'm going to order your step. The Bible says that if we will acknowledge him in all of our ways, and I see you at times, this is just what I see, I see you at times desperately reaching for things, trying to get it to come together, and, and you've been disappointed on several occasions. God's saying that disappointment's over because you're not the one that's ordering your steps anymore. Say it with me, God, I give it to you. Now, am I telling you the truth today? Am, am I, okay. Now, look, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't read your diary. I don't know anything about you, but, I, but my daddy does. You're looking at your brother from another mother. We got the same daddy. And he wants you. You've wore yourself out with worry and fretting and, and, and just being anxious. God's saying, that's not the journey that I, that I had for you. I, I had a journey of peace. I, I had a journey of joy. And, and I just need you to look back in my direction so I can get you where you need to be. Are you ready for it? Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and say, God, I'm ready. your hands to heaven with me. Are you ready? Say it with me. I want some of that. Let me, can I, can I share this with you? And then we're going to pray. But a lot of times we come up and I, and, and, and don't take this the wrong way, but you're waiting for me. Why? You can have it whenever you want it. Sometimes we got this idea that some, it's what ended up happening to Naaman. He said, I thought surely the man of God would have come out and waved his hand over my leprosy and I'd recover. He said, how come I got to go down there and wash in those rivers? Why can't I wash in, in Damascus? Those are cleaner rivers. Well, if all you want's a bath, go ahead. But if you want God to change your life, then you need to do what God is telling you to do. Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. Pray this prayer with me. Come on, pray it. Father, I come to you now with a hungry heart, ready for you to equip me for the battle. I put on truth. I will not believe a lie. I will not stand on a lie. I accept the truth of your word in Jesus' name. You cover me with your righteousness. You took on my sin so I could take on your righteousness. Today I put on a helmet of salvation and I ask you to cleanse my thoughts. God, just cover me and help me to think godly things. When the devil attacks, I'll hold up the shield of faith because I know in whom I've trusted and whom I believe. Father, I choose to walk in peace 
because you're the prince of it and your gospel brings it wherever you go. Today, I pick up the sword of the Spirit. God, I'm going to get into the Word more than I've ever been in the Word before. And here's my prayer. As I get the Word in me, I'm asking you to let it flow out of me in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. So right, right before you're getting ready to go, right before you do, I want you to right now, you know, somebody said you need to choose your battles. Some things aren't worth fighting over. Some things aren't worth dying over. So choose your battle. So that's what I want you to do right now. I want you to make up your mind where your battle is. What are you going after? And when you get that in your heart and you feel led by God that this is what God wants, then you fight with the tenacity of a bulldog and refuse to let go and refuse to give in no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel like, because God said, if I'm for you, who can be against you? Come on and praise him one more time. God bless you today. We ask God's blessing over you going out and coming in. Let the Word live in you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise Him.